you can't fix the internal with something external is the way I would say it. And you can't, if you're unhappy, you can't fix that by going and chasing something externally like money Mm -hmm. or like status or like promotions or like fancy things. That's not going to fix the internal problem. You don't actually decide and set the boundaries for your life and set the terms that you want to live by. Society will do it for you and other people will do it for you. And you probably won't like what they set for you. Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and a Good Vibe. You guys, I am so beyond excited to bring you this podcast episode because we shot this one back in New York City with the one, the only, Sawhill Bloom. Now, for those of you who do not know Sawhill, after this episode, let me tell you, you are going to become obsessed. You're probably going to go binge his content, subscribe to his newsletter because this guy does it all. And he is just such a wealth of knowledge in so many areas of life. And as you know, how you do one thing is truly how you do everything. Sawhill is someone who walks the walk in every area and is beyond inspiring just for how he lives his life, the content he puts out, and who he is as a human being and entrepreneur. Sawhill is an entrepreneur and owner of SRB Holdings, a personal holding company currently comprised of 10 cash flowing businesses and the managing partner of SRB Ventures, a $10 million venture investment firm committed to investing in and accelerating the most compelling startups in the world. Man, if you guys know who Sahil is, you know he is just the man at how he optimizes his life, how he um, has just this abundant flow of how he dances through life in order to be the successful, abundant human that he is today. This episode, we went into everything. There is something here that will serve you from you know, routines, productivity, organization, health and wellness, business advice, Sahil's inspiring journey to where he is today, his streams of revenue as a creator, his streams of revenue from the multiple business ventures that he's invested in, tips for entrepreneurs. This episode hit on every pillar and I could have talked to Sahil for literally three hours. We could have had a Joe Rogan pod with Sahil because I there were so many areas that I wanted to deep dive into and he is such an open book with you know, providing so much value to his community and other communities. I'm very excited for you guys to listen to this episode. And at any point in time, if you're getting value from this episode, it would mean the world if you can screenshot your phone on whatever platform you're listening on and, you know, share it to your community online. Maybe share a tidbit of value that you're getting from this episode. Share the link in tag at Sahil Bloom, tag at Coffee and Good Vibe. It definitely helps this amazing community reach more people. We have so much coming for our upcoming events in both LA and New York, and it definitely you know, brings out the best high vibrational crowd. I always say this, your vibe attracts your tribe. And when you come to one of our events or one of our upcoming meetups that I'm gonna be um, launching here in LA, you know, you're gonna meet people who are exactly that vibe ethos and just on that same wavelength and trajectory. It definitely also helps people hear about the podcast and just soak in all these amazing stories and people that we have on. Now, I'm going to leave it here. You guys are going to soak in all the wisdom, all the knowledge, all the tips and value that Sahil has to offer. I hope you're having a beautiful day wherever you're at. And let's dive in to the podcast. 
But hello, welcome to the Coffee and a Good Vibe podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I'm, I'm so happy to be able to do it in person too. I know, in person's the best. I will get on any flight to meet someone in person. I'm completely the same way. Like I just, especially after after COVID and like all the Zooms and all the phone yeah. calls, I was like, I'm not doing, I actually don't. I just don't do calls and Zooms anymore. Mm-hmm. And like if people want to come to New York, the good thing about New York is people come through here. Such a melting No matter pot. what, like people are here. And so mm-hmm. even if you say, yeah, let me know when you're coming to New York, people are eventually coming to New York yeah. and so you can see them in person. I feel like the investment too, sometimes people are like, no, it's an investment to get on flight. It's always worth it tenfold. I totally agree. If you just, especially to a big city, like if you make the effort to go to one of the, like to go to London or New York or LA, Mm -hmm. there's so many interesting people in these places that you you get so much more out of it. I completely agree. Yeah. You can't really like feel someone's energy and vibe through a coffee and a good vibe, like through a phone, a Zoom call. No. And like you never, I don't know about you, I have the worst time focusing on a Zoom call. Mm -hmm. Like ultimately what I'm doing is like multitasking and I happen to be on the video, but I'm also like looking at email or my calendar or stressing out about something or a notification. And so like I'll say to people sometimes, like I'm happy to do this as a Zoom, but I will be much more focused if we meet in person or Mm -hmm. if we do like a walking call and I can just be on a call because then that's the only thing that I'm focused on. Oh, I love, we're going to get right into this because this is (laughs) such goodness. But okay, first off, Sahil. Tell the people who you are. Can you give us a little bit of background on the human that you are and, and what you're doing today in this space with your brand? Yeah, I never know how to answer the question of who so I am. And I'm um, so glad I just throw it yeah, off. I, uh, I mean, I come from like, I guess, a whole bunch of colliding worlds mm-hmm. in, a, um, in sort of an interesting way, right? Like I grew up in a mixed race household. My mom is Indian. My dad is white Jewish from the Bronx. Um, And like that sort of impacted my whole life in a lot of ways because Mm -hmm. I always just felt like there was never like one bucket that I fit into. Yeah. And that's a challenge when you're a kid. You know this. Like if you don't feel like you fit in, you feel different. That's like your biggest fear as a kid Mm -hmm. is feeling like you're different. And then when you're an adult, you actually love that and you really want to be different. Like you want to stand out. Mm -hmm. But as a kid, you really just want to fit in. And so I remember as a kid always really struggling with identity. Like was I, you know, the nerdy Indian kid or was I like the jock white kid or like, you know, where did I fit into the different circles of people? And um, wrestling with that and like kind of finding my own way has just Mm -hmm. been like a general thread that's run through my life. So today... I don't know. Again, I feel like I don't fit into one neat bucket, but that's a great thing for yeah. me. And that's what I love about my life and about what I'm doing. I um, I spend a lot of my time on creative work, writing mostly. Mm-hmm. I'm writing a book. Um, and then I own a bunch of businesses and invest in a bunch of businesses as well. And so mm-hmm. broadly speaking, I like to say that I help people live healthier, wealthier lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can do that either through content I'm creating or through businesses I'm supporting. I love that. That's so loaded too with like yeah. everything you get to do. And I think a lot of people listening is pro- they're probably like, "Damn, like I wish I could do. I'm so multifaceted. Like I don't want to be put in a box." And it seems like you created a life where you are exactly like not doing that. You're doing everything that you want to do in the world. And I know your background that didn't come from that because what was your career path before like for school and then after i mean i was in a very traditional track like Mm -hmm. i was working in finance um it was like the indian side of me which is basically (laughs) like hey you're supposed to find the nice stable track for a lot of indian kids it's like you're told that you have to be a doctor or a lawyer or you know get a phd and they care so much yeah and they care a lot about those things and like and getting those accolades and those external achievements is a lot of how you measure your own Mm self-worth in in that culture for better or for worse like i think 
think it leads to a lot of happy lives and people that have, you know, gone and found their calling in those places, yeah. but also a lot of people that feel unfulfilled by this path that totally. they feel like they got defaulted onto. Um, so I sort of was on that. Like I went to, mm. I went to Stanford, I played baseball. Um, and then when I got done, I took a job in finance because it sounded like an impressive job mm-hmm. and it seemed like something where I could be quote unquote successful and, you know, make my like six figure salary when I got out of school and eventually hopefully make millions of dollars. Yeah. Like, that was my definition yeah. of what a successful life looked like. And I did that. Um, you know, and I, I basically what happened to me was that there were all these things that I thought defined success and it was mostly around money and promotions and status and fancy mm-hmm. things, etc. And then I basically woke up one day and had arrived, like I had those things, but I was as miserable as I've ever been in my life. And I started to wonder like, is this it? Is this what I was waiting for all this time? Is this what Mm -hmm. I was working towards? There must be a better path for me, something that's a better fit for me. And that coincided with COVID, which was a time when a lot of us had time on our hands to think about these things. And so I was able to then kind of start thinking about making a switch. Mm, it's so profound too and almost scary when you hit that point because I think a lot of people listen and that's why on my episodes I love to ask that like go there because people listening who aren't there who don't have the financial stability are just like oh it must be nice to say that and to kind of like have arrived there but what would you say to someone even now in the journey where they're not there but to avoid yeah. kind of getting there and then feeling those feelings yeah I mean there are levels to financial wealth. Mm -hmm. The first level is getting to the level of stability to where you feel like you can take care of your basic needs and the basic needs of your family. Until you get there, you will not be happy. Like that, when people say money can't buy happiness, it's bullshit when you're talking (laughs) at the lower levels because it definitely will. Like if you don't have a roof over your head, you're not gonna Mm -hmm. be very happy. Once you're able to get those basic levels of shelter and food and stability for your family, the whole point is that then beyond that, chasing the incremental dollar, chasing the incremental thing, the fancy thing, the status, the promotion is not going to make you significantly happier than you were at that baseline level. Mm. And what might is if you chase these other types of wealth in your life, and that might come from like purpose and meaning in the things you're working on. It might come from physical wealth and some of the things that you're spending time on around your body, around your mind. Um, There's all of these other areas of life that I think people lose sight of once they get beyond that baseline level because you're conditioned at those low levels to think that money is going to be what does it. Mm-hmm. And then when you get there, you're just like, wow. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you just realize that you can't you can't fix the internal with something external is the yeah. way I would say it. And you can't, if you're unhappy, you can't fix that by going and chasing something externally like money mm-hmm. or like status or like promotions or like fancy things. That's not going to fix the internal problem. Viktor Frankl, the author of Man's Search for Meaning, said mm-hmm. happiness cannot be pursued. It must ensue. Mm-hmm. And that's really true. You can't go and pursue it by chasing all these things and running after it. You have to actually have it be a byproduct of the things that are going on internally mm-hmm. within you. How can one discover more about themselves, like through anything self-awareness-wise, journaling, going inward practices, how can they start to uncover that? Like what if someone's just like, I have no idea what makes me happy because of the way society is. They're kind of just on, especially I feel like in New York, you can be like in this energy and you can consume everyone else's energy and just kind of every day like wake up. And if you don't create the space for yourself to like go look within, it doesn't really happen in society. Mm -hmm. So how would you suggest? The first thing I would do is turn your phone on grayscale 
So oh. if you have an iPhone, go to settings, That's, go to yeah. accessibility and turn your phone onto grayscale mode. It immediately makes your phone so much less addicting mm-hmm. and so much less appealing to you. So that allows you to like break the fact that you're constantly just head down checking and facing it. your phone, checking social media all day, which is a big driver of unhappiness because you're comparing yourself to all these people's highlight reels all day, every single day, yeah. and you're never within yourself. So separating yourself from your phone connection and from your technology connection, allowing yourself to be bored, to spend time just in your mind, go for walks where you're not listening to an audiobook on 2x mm-hmm. speed or a podcast on 2x speed or scrolling social media, just allowing yourself to actually be with your thoughts mm-hmm. at times during the day, I think is easily the best practice that people can adopt to start to actually learn about those internal processes that are going on. And it's so cool when you start to do it, like that space, I crave it. Yeah. So if I don't meditate or have time in solitude, when I'm on like a work trip or if I'm like traveling with talent, it's like, and I'm in other people's energy, I like yeah. need to do my own thing. Yeah, I mean, we all become more introverted with age, I think. Yeah. I, I considered myself a hardcore extrovert when I was young. Mm-hmm. Like I really wanted to be out and about. In my 20s, I was like, I want to be out and about. I want to be spending time at parties with tons of people, lots of people, these like big group things, all yeah. that kind of stuff. And now you could give me a one-on-one dinner with someone over almost anything else in the world. Like just mm-hmm. having that type of connection is what I crave now. And I need tons more time by myself to actually go and recharge. And so I think we all sort of have this natural trend line to becoming more introverted with age. Yeah. And I think introversion is more and more of a power in my mind than I used to think. Wow, I love that. It's a, And it's almost like the more you spend time with yourself, you can uncover that you actually, that you do like it. And sometimes you attach yeah. narratives that other people place on you. Yeah. Because if you don't actually like write your own definition of who you are, then other people can do that. Yeah. And if you don't, other people will. Mm-hmm. If you don't actually decide and set the boundaries for your life and set the terms that you want to live by, society will do it for you and other yeah. people will do it for you. And you probably won't like what they set for you. Totally. It's so true. It's so profound. Um, with your journey, when you transition, I want to go into this moment where you transition from your background in, in private equity to mm-hmm. doing your own thing. Was there fear at that time? Because I know that even fear, comparison, your timeline, like, oh, maybe I should have started my own brand when I was 15, like these TikTokers are even younger. People will like kind of use that comparison to not even start because they psych themselves out. Yeah. Um, I was terrified. I'm still terrified. Uh, I don't think it ever goes away. I think one of the mm. most weird common traits of hyper successful people is this paranoia of losing it all. Like you can go talk to some of the richest people in the world and their number one fear is that they're somehow going to lose it all when it is physically impossible, basically, at that Mm. point that it will happen. That is just a constant, constant fear. So I actually think that that can be healthy and a good thing because it drives you to continue to grow and continue to progress and make, uh, you know, make progress. The one thing I will say is like there's that classic parable of the best time to start was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. The second best time to start is today. And I think it's true. Like there's no such thing as being too late is definitely one thing I've learned along the way. I used to think, oh, yeah, I'm too late to start this or, you know, on this social media platform. It's been around for so long. I'm too late. There's all these people that are much bigger. Every single time I've thought I was too late to start something, I was actually still early. And that has been a lesson to me all along. Like anything that I held off on because I thought I was too late, I later regretted. I should have just started in that moment and just had the bias for action and started creating movement on it. And it applies to anything that you're pursuing. Like you cannot, I mean, 
physical physical health is a great example. Like there are people that say like, well, yeah, I'm like 50 and I'm way out of shape and what, you know, it's too late. Like I can't, yeah. I can't get in shape. I can't start doing these things. Bullshit. Like do one thing, go for a 20 minute walk and then do a 20 minute walk the next day. Like all of a sudden you're going to be digging yourself out of a hole. Like you're going to be moving in the right direction. You're always just one good decision away from being in a slightly better position than where you are today. And so it's just taking that step, doing that one good thing. Matthew McConaughey in, um, have you read Green Lights? No, oh, but I've, were, I, I need to listen so to the audio book because yeah, everyone talks about his voice. I listen to the audio book and it's like watching a movie. It's incredible. It's yeah. so good. But Matthew McConaughey in Green Lights talks I've about. I listened to him on all the podcasts around the book. Oh, like, I, I, I didn't listen to any like podcasts. Literally like five or six podcasts because they do that like launch strategy oh, where yeah, they go on they? every podcast. So I didn't, um, I didn't hear him on any podcast. And honestly, like I was never a massive Matthew McConaughey fan. And then mm. um, I downloaded Green Lights. I don't remember why. Like I was going out for a run and I. It was the most engaging audiobook ever. He's so, so good. And his, like, it, just the vocalization of the ideas. But Matthew McConaughey in Greenlights has this idea of the, like, one in a row principle, I call it, where he basically mm. says, no matter where you are, all you have to think about is just doing one in a row of the thing. And it's like everyone creates this intimidation by saying, oh, if I want to grow my social media platform, I have to post for the next year every single day or yeah. I have to work out every single day for the next year in order to get there. That's really intimidating when you're going to start. But if you just say, all I need to do is just do one in a row, like I just need to do today, and then I need to do one in a row again, and then again, it makes it much easier. Like you deconstruct the big, scary, intimidating thing mm -hmm. into just this one small action that you need to take. And I thought that that was actually a really powerful metaphor for approaching all of these things in life it's so it's so true and it, it's like less daunting too because when you daunting. start it just makes all the momentum happen yeah and then you're you're good yeah you then know you, this about cold plunges like you do cold oh plunges my i see the gosh. videos of and you everyone doing it. will message me about and it's i'm just like getting it's in. so hard but then the more i go yeah. you do it we're gonna go heavy in your routines because you do it yeah. every day yeah i i just think that when i don't go in the cold plunge though and i don't have one like at my house but i'll go somewhere like and I feel like when I go more often in the week, that is just, it gets easier each time. But it's, if I chicken out and just don't go at all for two weeks, like it's so, I'm like back to square one, like with yeah. being as intimidated. You totally. Go right in. But with your journey, was there, what was your kind of mindset around jumping in and taking that action? Like, did you have a set of like, okay, these are the one in a row <laughs> that I'm going to do every day. And then it kind of built from there. So originally when I started all the creative work, which was really the impetus, like building the platform kind of became the jumping off point to all the businesses and the investing yeah. and all the other stuff. It was just because I really loved writing. Like I really had a true enjoyment of the mm. process around writing and around creating. And I saw that it was creating value for people, which gave me a lot of energy. Because for me, just mm. for me personally, like I'm not someone who is particularly money motivated. Like I don't really care like about fancy thing. Like I'm wearing a running watch, right? Like I, you know, I yeah. could get a nice watch, but like I'm wearing a running watch. Like it's just not what I'm about. And I totally respect when people are about that, by the way, I'm just into different things. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, it was like, okay, I want to create an impact. If I wanted to make money with certainty, I would have just stayed in private equity. Like that would have been the safest yeah. path to doing that. Um, and so when I saw that I was writing and doing something I really enjoyed on the weekends, and that it was creating value for people, like it was impacting mm -hmm. people, causing them to change their patterns, like causing them to create little positive changes in their life. That was really fun for me. So I kept doing it. And then all of a sudden I had this opportunity and then I was at this crossroads of like, 
continue on this nice, neat path that I was going on, that I knew exactly what it looked like. Like the next yeah. 30 years of my life was mapped out in front of me. Or, you know, on the both sides of the path was like the scary woods and the dark and it's yes. stormy and there's all these monsters that you imagine in the woods and there's no paths. Like I have no idea what it looks like. Yeah. And basically what happened was I had a few friends and mentors who just said, like, that seems like a really cool thing just to jump off the path and like go do that thing that you're currently working on. And until they said that, I just never considered it. Like, I just needed someone to just knock me out of my frame of reference because the only thing I knew was this one safe path. And what happened was they said that I jumped off the path into the scary woods. And all of a sudden I realized there was all these other paths there that were like yeah. beautiful and actually had tons of opportunity in front of them. But if not for doing that, if not for actually just jumping off it and kind of just like taking the leap, mm -hmm. I never would have known that there were all these thousands of other opportunities and pathways out there. I know. It's like you only know what you know. You And like you get so blinded by the reality and the gravity of the path that you're on that it's just you you will not do it. You will not make the change. You will not see all of the other amazing opportunities that are out there until you actually take the leap and just mm -hmm. go do it. It's impossible to like sketch out a pro and con and evaluate all the other yeah. opportunities because you don't know what they look like. I, I mean, I jumped off and within a year... I was making way more money than I was making at my prior job and working much, much less and had much more flexibility. And it was like, you wow. never could have predicted that. I never could have known that there these paths existed that had so much more leverage. I just had to go into them. Yeah. And you have to take that bet on yeah. yourself and take that leap of faith. And it seems like during this time, uh, your environment, your friend group, your circle, your network was so beneficial and influential in such a positive way. And I know that's why I'm really passionate about the events that I started doing mm -hmm. because I'm so big on, you know, your vibe attracts your tribe. And when you actually like do that. take the leap, and I always say that at our events because you bring people together who are all on that same vibe ethos trajectory or like who want to be there and you create the space. So many beautiful relationships and friendships and businesses can really foster. So within that, before I guess even that those relationships were in your life, I know you're huge on relationships, networking of people, but I, and I think that they have so much value. So how have you really cultivated these relationships in your life and what advice do you have to people who are seeking to do the same? I think the golden rule applies very, very clearly to networking, which is for me, create mm -hmm. value and receive value. Yeah. And it has to come in that order. You have to create value for the people around you in order to receive value. And you have to create value with no intention of getting anything in return. Mm -hmm. Like it can't be yeah. a quid pro quo that you're saying like, hey, I'm going to do this for you and then you're going to do this for me and then we're going to continue rising on up. It has to be that you're just putting out goodness into the world. Mm -hmm. When you talk about like your vibe is your, you know, your vibe attracts your tribe. Yeah. I like that <laughs> because one of the things that I've been attracted to with all of these people in this new world, you know, we talked about our common friend, Brian Mazza and the HPLT uh, community that he's fostering, your community that you're fostering. It's amazingly positive sum. Like people want to cheer each other on mm. for their wins. They're not, you know, having this like weird contempt when someone else is winning. It's like, hey, I'm going to really cheer you on when yeah. you're winning at your thing. You're going to really cheer me on when I'm winning at my thing. When you find people like that, incredible things happen yeah. and when you get around those kind of people. Um, so, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just figure out how you can actually create value for the people around you. If you want to network, and I think I saw Alex Hormozzi say this once mm -hmm. and I thought it was really smart. You can't ask someone what you can do 
to help them. Like when someone comes to me and says, hey, uh, how can I create value for you? How can I help you? Now you're asking me to do homework in order for you to help me. And I don't have time for that. Like I will just continue on the path that I'm on. It just, I don't have an answer for you to that. So Mm -hmm. what you need to do is actually just go figure out the answer to that question and then do it. Mm -hmm. Bring them the value that you're planning to go and create for them. Go and actually create it and give it Mm -hmm. to them. And then all of a sudden you stand out in their mind. I mean, what better way to have started a relationship than to actually have created value for the person originally? Yeah, it's such a beautiful approach to it too. And then it's like, also you said, it's like you're not, you're around so many abundant-minded people who like want, who are winning and want you to win too. And I think that, on that note, it's like those types of people also have a group and a community of people who are that same vibe and ethos. And it actually then repels like anyone who's scarcity minded. I'm like, I feel like when I moved to LA, it was fight or flight. I Mm -hmm. had no community, no friends, no family. And make like being who I am, adding value. It's so crazy how like the network, the community and the family you build there just compounds. Yeah. That is the other piece of it, which is what you just mentioned. And that's you need to be ruthless with eliminating the people from your life that don't have that positive sum mentality. I think we're all very, very bad at scrubbing our lives of the people that are holding us back and that are draining Mm -hmm. our energy. There's a real tendency, especially with family, frankly, to just Mm -hmm. say, or with close family friends or people that have been in your life, like old friends, to just say like, quote unquote, that's just the way they are (laughs) and just like give them a pass because that's just the way they are. And I hate that. Like I've decided recently that I hate that. There was, you know, a person, I'm not going to name the person, but there's a person in like our family friend network of my family Mm -hmm. who is just like a drain on everybody's energy, not just Mm -hmm. mine, by the way, like everybody knows this about this person and everyone just says that's just the way they are and kind of just shrug your shoulders. And I was kind of like, at one point I was just like, no, that doesn't, (laughs) then we just shouldn't give them the space to occupy in our lives because they're draining everyone's energy. They're creating a bad environment for everyone, bringing us all down. And I think we just need to do a better job of that. Like if someone is draining your energy consistently, Mm -hmm. if you leave hanging out with a person and feel like you need to take a nap or feel worse about yourself, you shouldn't spend time with that person. Oh my gosh. I I was just going to say that. No, whenever I leave a meeting, a conversation, uh, a friend, like hang a dinner, anything, I always do a check-in with myself. Like when I'm in LA driving, so then when I'm in my car, I'm like, how do I leave this encounter? Do I leave a filled cup? energized or do I feel a depleted empty cup because that's happened to me a lot (laughs) and then I and then I make an audit of it and then that that's kind of how I like also understand with like with even clients like I am so big on only working with clients that like I understand it's work but like I will make that decision if they if I feel like the energy is getting sucked out of me I will not retain a client on a brand side because I'm just like it's going to block my energy for what else other abundance yeah. I can like bring in. Yeah, it's I mean it's a um I did this with my calendar. This is how I designed my days. Like mm-hmm. I literally looked at my calendar on an average week and after every single thing, I marked it red if it drained my energy, yellow if it was neutral, and green if it created energy. And at the end of a week, I looked at it and said, okay, what are the activities that are yeah. generally creating energy and generally draining energy? How can I eliminate the ones that are draining energy or make them neutral? And then how can I prioritize mm-hmm. and amplify the things that are creating energy for me? And if you do that with people, if you do that with your calendar, if you do that in all these areas, 
areas of life, suddenly you have a massive energy boon in your in yeah. your world and ecosystem. And great things happen when you have positive energy around the things you're doing. I know. Oh, we're going to go into that because I yeah. know you have you've systematized in such a beautiful way your life and your processes. And I want to definitely dive into routines, but I want to go into your content strategy because you have all these systems and I know you have a system for your personal brand. You're on all the platforms. You have an email, you have email marketing, you have uh, threads now, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, like everything. Mm -hmm. What is your strategy with like even how you approach it? Because I think a lot of people, they want to be multi-platform. They want to be everywhere. Yeah. So the way I generally approach it and the framework I generally have for people is that you need to pick your one halo piece of content. What I mean by that is mm-hmm. like, what is the one main thing that everything else is going to flow off from? For me, that's been Twitter or written content, like yeah. more broadly. And that's where everything started for me. That was the first place I did. It's also my most natural content style that I create. I love sitting yeah. down and writing. I get a ton of energy from it. What I do and what I think about is like, okay, I'm going to write a piece, right? You know, say it's one thing for my newsletter now because that's the more deep piece. Mm-hmm. How can I take that and take the ideas from it and turn it into content that goes across every single style and platform that I have? Yeah. And it starts to become more obvious when you view it in that frame because if I have something that is from a newsletter, I can turn that into a great tweet by distilling it down to a tighter idea. I can turn that into a video by sitting and talking about mm-hmm. it with someone on a podcast because it's a cool concept, cool idea. It turns into a clip. Then it can turn into an animation that can be shared across all these different platforms. Eventually, that can be turned into a longer form video where I go deeper <laughs> on it into a YouTube video. So now it's one thing that I sat down and spent real creative time on that's getting reproduced onto all the platforms that's allowing me to connect with different audience types, different demographics in all these different areas. Yeah. And the key for me was I don't necessarily have the time or the actual capability set to do all of those nitty gritty things. I'm not a video editor. I don't know how to do all that stuff. You don't want to because they're going to be energy draining. Energy (laughs) draining and like just low competency. Like I don't know how to do that. And so, you know, now I've built an ecosystem where all of that stuff is sort of done for me. Like if I do the writing piece, which is what I get energy from. And if I do Mm -hmm. the podcast where I talk about it or whatever it is. I can then kind of just have that shipped off and it's getting reproduced. And I know that's Mm. happening with all my teams and the people around me um, so that we're able to reproduce it across every platform. Mm, But, you know, the example is like that's for writing for Mm. someone that has a podcast, as an example, as a video person. Yeah. Oh, well, not a real one, at least. I used to I used to have a real one. Now I just kind of record my newsletter and it becomes like a short form (laughs) podcast that goes. Those are the best types of podcasts. But I, um, you know, for someone that's a podcaster, if that's their main thing, a podcast is a beautiful piece of content that can be reproduced into tons of different things. Like you can have the short form videos that come out of it. You can have the long form that goes to YouTube. You can have threads that go out on Twitter of, you know, the best idea from a given podcast. Mm -hmm. You can have a newsletter that goes out with a recap from the different podcasts. So like, yeah, you can have a blog, like all of these things can can spawn off of the one central piece and so what what it is is figuring out what is the central piece for you and then how can that get reproduced everywhere else Mm, it's so it's so important and so profound and i think a lot of people listening um i i'm big on anyone even if you have a cpg brand and you're like marketing and focusing on the brand channel you need to focus on a personal brand i think that everyone should have a personal brand because it's your currency but also also there's a lot of influencers and creators listening and i know this is a topic that i talk about a lot which is monetizing your brand because i think there's two layers right there's number one people even having the insight and like 
even just understanding, oh, wow, I can monetize my brand. And then we can dive into even how we both even monetize our own brands. But with your own personal brand, what was your journey to starting, obviously, of such an engaged community, but what was your journey with, you know, realizing and then having all these hits with brands wanting to invest in you and sponsor your newsletter and be a mm-hmm. partner on your podcast? What was your journey with, uh, yeah, working with brands and establishing these partnerships? Yeah, I don't do any partnerships. So that is like oh. the dirty secret of all of this, actually. So my newsletter is the one place where I have um, sponsors that sponsor mm. the newsletter. Those are all brands that I've actually consumed and used on a regular basis that have then reached out and that I will accept as sponsors. But the newsletter I actually run at break even. So I reinvest every dollar that comes in through the newsletter into growing the newsletter um, and growing the platform. Um, And I'll explain why in a second. But the newsletter, you know, today reaches about a half a million people twice a week. And those newsletter slots, I think, get sold at like seven or eight thousand dollars per send. And it sends 10 times a month, you know, eight to 10 times a month. Mm -hmm. So it's like a really nice monthly revenue channel. And I'm just reinvesting all of that into growth, which is a nice like pre-tax way to just drive the growth of the overall newsletter. Um, But that's really the only place where I have any brand stuff. Mm -hmm. All of the things that I share on Instagram and my story, like anything that involves brands, none of those are ads. I don't get paid by any of those brands. I'm not doing like brand partnerships. I get reached out every single day by brands, as you can imagine, but I don't do any of that. And the reason is um, I've found sort of like a creative set of ways to make money. Um, You know, that's a little bit different in that I own all of the businesses that I use for services. So like my video editing, Um, I own that business and I can drive leads to that because I'm posting videos all the time and people are messaging me saying, who's making your videos? How are they doing it? And then I can send leads to those. So all of my like video, all the YouTube stuff that'll be coming, all the animations I do, I own a personal branding agency. I own a newsletter growth agency. Like I own, you know, now 12 businesses in my holding company that are all, you know, generally speaking, high ticket services businesses Mm. um, that are all generating cash flow every single month. And they all have operators and CEOs running them. And then I'm able to just be sort of the like distribution side of these businesses. Yeah, the creator, almost like the influencer who starts a CPG brand. Exactly. It's it's the exact same model, except it's rather than being with a consumer product, which the challenge with consumer products Mm -hmm. is that they're um, the working capital cycle is tough because you have to buy the product first and then yeah. you sell it and collect cash. With a services business, you collect the cash from the customer. Like you pay me at the start of the month mm-hmm. for the video services. Then I produce the services and pay all of the editors. Yeah. And so I'm actually collecting the cash first. So I don't have to invest a dollar in these businesses up front to start them. And they're creating cash from day one. So 10 of the 12 businesses, I never had to invest a dollar in and they're all generating. I mean, now all of those will generate over a million dollars this year in revenue. Like they're wow. scale businesses that have ramped up really quickly without having to invest a whole bunch of capital up front mm-hmm. like you might have to with a CPG business. Totally. Would you ever consider launching your own product? Because I'm sure yeah. you're getting hit up all the time. Like, yeah. And you're, as a consumer, like yeah. who uses like AG1, you're probably like, oh, you know, this yeah. would be better without this one ingredient, yeah. you know? I love AG1 because I've been just <laughs> taking, and the, the founder is a close friend. I've been a huge fan of that. That's like, that's the only product that I have a like a link for because I've actually been taking it since 2011. Um, But yeah, I think a lot about um, I think a lot about consumer products at like a higher level, either going and buying a business, like using Mm. my holding company cash to go buy a business that we can then 
juice up with our distribution and grow um, or go start something from the ground with a great operator. Yeah, because you and have I'm, the whole machine. To- yeah, and I've sort of toyed with it recently with a friend like, you know, I do a lot of things in, with saunas and cold plunges yeah. and like does all this health and wellness stuff. And the, the challenge is like, it's a lot of work to go and start a business like that. So yeah. you have to find an amazing operator to go do something like that. I have a lot of friends that have started those businesses and I want to support them. I don't want to compete against them. And so I would obviously also have to find like the right product that I was excited about doing and that didn't feel like I was screwing over a friend in some mm-hmm. way by doing it. Um, I'm not really in a rush though on any of this stuff. I love the creative work. Yeah. I'm not like chasing for more and more right now. I'm really happy with um, sort of this less but better mentality of just like getting focused on the things I'm good mm-hmm. at and really, really nailing those. We'll have to check in if you change your mind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm sh- and I'm sure I will. I reserve the right to change my mind on anything yeah. on, a, on a moment's notice. <laughs> That's so exciting though. And as your community continues to grow, you almost like have that opt-in. Like if you did a pre-launch, like obviously you've invested into making the product, but you definitely have that demand. Even yeah. like um, a program, have you ever considered launching like a paid program because you have all these free value you give yeah. out? That's like, it could be like even a paid ebook if you will. Yeah, like- I mean, I'm writing a book right now. So that's my big project. Oh, my plan yeah. is part of the reason that I haven't like sold anything to my audience is because I really want the book to be the first thing that I ask people to buy because it's like a big, exciting thing. I got, you know, this big book deal from um, Penguin Random House. I'm working on it. Like it's a big, exciting thing. Um, And so I really want that to be like the splash, like the big thing that I sort of enter with. I don't want to dilute that by like saying like, hey, buy this, buy this masterclass, buy this community, buy you know, all these other things prior to that. It feels like um, it'll make a bigger splash if it's kind of the first big thing and the I first agree. thing I really market. And there's that like other saying, like if you confuse, you lose that yeah, marketing rule. I think rule. that's true, yeah. I really agree because yeah. so many people have so many offers. I see yeah, and there's coaches. eight CTAs and the email and like it's just, it's, it's hard to stand mm-hmm. out when you do that. I also, um, you know, you make short-term decisions when you need money. And so like when I was jumping into this path, one of the best things I did, which I would really encourage other people to think about, if you are going to go jump into a new entrepreneurial path, mm-hmm. can you start that path while still keeping your other job for some period of time? Because mm-hmm. one of the best things I did was that the first like 12 months of doing the new creator stuff, yeah. I was still working my day job. And I was working like 70 hours a week at my day job. And then on the weekends, I was working on this new thing, on mm-hmm. like all my writing, on my personal brand building in the platform. And what that allowed me to do was avoid the traps of like chasing money in those early days. Because yeah. what you see a lot of people have to do is if you go all in from day one mm-hmm. and you're like, a small platform, all of a sudden you have to do some like course or you have to do a masterclass. You have to do something to just pay the bills. And usually that thing is not something that person is proud of like 12 months later. Usually Mm -hmm. sometimes they are. Um, And I I just wanted to avoid that. Like I didn't, I didn't want to have a whole bunch of things that I just wasn't proud of having put out in the world later. Um, And having that sort of like overlap period really helps with that. I love that you said that because also your energy around doing that creative work isn't operating from a place of scarcity. Mm. And like you feel like when you're operating from this abundant state, like you're financially or good, you know, and you're just going to create this content because you want to. The content's received in a different way versus like even on that brand deal, right? I work with talent. So it's like when they take a deal that they don't really resonate with, but they take it because it's a, oh, it's a 5K for a post. Like 
you could just feel that energy in that content or it's not authentic and organic and does more harm than good, but yeah. it's playing that long game. Yeah. It's, um, there's this story that I love of, um, it was a Stanford business professor mm-hmm. who gave his students a challenge. And basically it was, I'm going to give you $5 and you have two hours to make as high of an ROI as possible on this money. And they got put into groups. Now, most of the groups went out and basically used the $5 to barter. Like they bought something with the five and then they tried to trade that thing they bought for something slightly higher value. And then they tried to trade that. And in two hours, they like, you know, maybe doubled the value of what they had. Maybe they had 10. Then there were groups that realized that the $5 was like a distraction and they just used the two hours to figure out how they could make the most money. And so a few of those groups like bought you know, they, they made a restaurant reservation and then they sold it and tried oh. to make a markup on that. So they made a pretty good ROI, pretty yeah. good money. The smartest group, what they did was that, again, <laughs> they realized that the $5 was a distraction. They realized that the most valuable thing was the 30-minute presentation that they were going to get to do at the end of the exercise in front of the class. They were going to present on how they got to do yeah. it. They realized that that was the most valuable was this 30 minutes of time in front of a whole bunch of Stanford business students and professors. And so they went out and sold it as an advertising slot to some local companies that wanted to advertise to all the students. Oh and they made an astronomical ROI. And so the whole moral of the story was like, thinking differently about the points of highest leverage in the system. There's the obvious way of pursuing it, which was the bartering in this case. That might be like the brand deal where someone's willing to pay you $1,000 or something and you get all starry-eyed about it. But that's like, that's the obvious way that exists. (laughs) What are the ways that are different, that you can like think differently about the highest leverage points in the Mm -hmm. system to go and create a ton of value for yourself in the long run? People need to hear that back. Like yeah. when this is recorded, yeah. they can we'll like make a clip. Yeah, 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 we'll make it into a clip. Because that's so crazy. Yeah. I okay. I need to go into your routines, and I need to start with how you retain so much. Like you clearly like you have such a gift. I carry around this notebook. Yeah, I noticed um, that. And I, I have this little notebook. I don't know if people can see that on the camera, um, but. Um, I've always been someone that remembers things when I write them down and only handwriting. I was going to say, I have notes on my phone because I'm always writing things in my app. And what I've learned is like, I have all those apps, like I have Notion, I use all those things. I don't remember anything that I type into a computer or into my phone, Mm -hmm. but I remember almost everything that I write down in my notebook. Wow. The first time I write it down, I don't know why. And so what I've started doing, I mean, really over the only last like three, four years Mm -hmm. is I just carry around this little pocket-sized notebook with me basically everywhere I go. And I have it on my bedside table at night and I carry it around with me. And anytime, like earlier before when we were starting, you said something interesting about the visa process. (laughs) And I wrote it down because I was like, oh, that's an interesting thing to go and remember and to go look into. And so I think that like just as a process has been something that's really helped me. Um, It's also like little reminders for gratitude during the day and like little ways that you can kind of just trigger yourself. Mm, I love that. I started voice noting myself. So I have my text oh. pin for me at the top. You know, you can pin your eye. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I pin all my like. Oh, I cl- should start doing I, that. So I pin myself because I'm a talker. I get a lot of clarity from even just talking to myself. Oh, like, I should start doing that. I and like that. I've noticed like. Down. Yeah, it's it's a sort of voice noting yourself. I've been doing that with podcast ideas because I'll be on a walk and a lot of my solos, they're just me and content that speaks to me. So if I'm like going through something and I take a walk to digest it, I just voice note myself a story. Because sometimes I have way too much to write down. But I should start writing because I, like I just do a lot of stuff on my phone. It's hard you. to write on a walk. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. I, I don't actually. Or you end up I, clicking on like an app, yeah. like Instagram, <clears throat> instead yeah. of the notes. Yeah. But I love that. Yeah. Okay. I need to hear 
the full in-depth breakdown of your morning routine okay. because I follow you on Instagram every day. There's the timestamp. It's like 4.50 <laughs> in the morning. You're in the plunge and you go in and then you say a quote like, how do you do that every day? And everyone after this podcast, make sure you actually, while you're recording, you go follow Sawhill Bloom on Instagram because it's so motivating. It. I appreciate it. Um, I am a like converted morning person. I was never a morning person growing up. Yeah. Like my family are all late sleepers still to this day. Like it bugs the hell out of me because my whole family sleeps late. <laughs> time. Um, I mean like my family, you know, if we go visit my family, can like they'll be asleep at 9, 30, 10 still. And I'm like, that's I've been like my family because I moved to LA. <laughs> oh yeah. It's so, it's so annoying. Like it's not annoying for me now, but like, cause I'm about five and I could like text my mom and it's like, she probably just woke up, but it's three. I have three Where hours on her. In They're in Toronto. Yeah. It's so funny because now that I'm on the East Coast this trip uh, and I'm up early, I just like adapt here. So yeah. then wake up at 530 and I text her nothing, nothing. <clears throat> yeah. So I, um, I was never a morning person and trying to think when it changed. I was at Stanford yeah. and we started having morning practices like my sophomore year. We'd never done them mm. freshman year. And then sophomore year, they started doing these really early morning practices. And I realized like I could not get up at six and then just be like ready to go at a 630 in the yeah. morning practice. It didn't work for me. I needed to wake up at like five, get myself sort of like mentally and physically mm -hmm. awake and then be good at practice. And I wasn't talented enough that I could just like roll out of bed and go. There were some guys that were so talented that they could just like get out of bed and roll in and be totally yeah. fine. I wasn't. I knew I needed to like really earn mm -hmm. my stuff. And so I started waking up earlier because of that, which meant I had to go to bed earlier in order to do it. And all of a sudden, I started to just like feel different. Like I would wake up in the morning, I was getting stuff done. I started like feeling all of these ripple effect benefits in my life of waking up earlier. Yeah. Like I was getting things done in the morning. It started making me feel really good about myself that I was like, man, I can do this. I get up early, I work out, I'm doing all this stuff. And that just stuck with me. So then when I like, when I started my first job, I knew I wanted to be the first one in the office at mm -hmm. 6.30. And if I was gonna do that, and I had these long days ahead because I was working in finance, if I still wanted to work out, which is a big part of my life, I knew I needed to work out before. And so I was like, okay, well, I have to get to the gym by five so that I can be at the office by 630. If I want to get to the gym by five, I got to be up at like 345 or four mm -hmm. to get be ready to go. And that became a big part of my life. So I started doing that. It led to me meeting a lot of incredible people because the only people that show up at the gym at five in the morning are winners. Like it's yeah. just, there's no such thing as a loser so who true. wakes up at five in the morning and works out. Like I will go to the grave with that exact yeah. mantra. It just doesn't exist. Like if you get up super early in the morning and you go and work out every single day, you, you're not losing. Like no matter what it is, you're just, you're a winner in life and yeah. you're, you're doing big, you're going to, you're going to do big things. And if you want to change your life, that's the first thing. That's the I first piece that. of advice that I give There's people. There's your vibe in trying yeah. people too. Seriously. All the people who are your vibe are at the gym. For there. sure. So, um, that basically instilled in me the early morning thing. Mm -hmm. Now, um, the big reason I wake up early still today is because it is the only time of day that I truly have to myself peace and quiet to focus. And that's because I have a young kid and yeah. there's all sorts of fun and chaos that starts when he wakes up, which is around like 7, 7.30. And so I wake up at 4.30 in the morning on the dot, actually 4.25 is when my alarm goes off. I get out of bed, drink some water with some electrolytes, salt, and athletic greens. <laughs> and then I get in the cold plunge. And that's the first thing yeah. that I do every single morning. Um, 
the whole thing of me recording something in the cold plunge started because I was getting really miserable going out into the cold in the winter Mm -hmm. and like going, it's on my deck and you know, we live in New York and so it was like snow or Mm -hmm. freezing cold and I have to open the door to go out, out of my room onto this freezing deck to get into freezing cold water and I was getting really miserable. And so one of the things that I did to trick myself was like, well, there's all these people on Instagram that are expecting me to do this video. And so yeah, I need to do it because yeah, so you create this yeah. fake. I mean, it's fake. Like they're not going to do it. No one's going to beat me up if I if I don't do it. But in my mind, it's like, OK, I've told people I'm going to do this and that this is the thing I do. I need to keep doing it. And so that was how it started. And now I just have fun with it. We're like, Every morning, I'm like, what am I going to say? You know, I'm going to like going to get in. I'm like, shit, what am I going to say? I have no idea. And none of them are rehearsed. Like, I don't have a script of things that I'm going to end up saying. It's all off the top of my head. It's like what basically whatever thought I'm like waking up with that morning Mm. and thinking on, um, I end up rattling off. And um, it's just become like it's become a cool thing that I kind of just do every single morning. To the point you made earlier, the cold plunge sort of sets the tone for my whole morning. I'm like... I have no idea if it has all of the health benefits that are now purported, um, you lot. know, like immune system and metabolism the and brown fat. brown fat and all that stuff. But it makes me feel like a freaking superhero to mm-hmm. start the day. Um, I mean, I feel like mentally super focused, super awake, energized, um, dopamine through the roof, like just happier and more excited to take on the day. And because that first block of my day is like really focused, deep work, it's the perfect way for me to start. And so I basically go from the cold plunge to I get a coffee. Um, and how do you have your coffee? You uh, black. black. Yeah, I do large black cold brew every Cometeer, single morning. Cometeer, right? I, I love Cometeer and then Dunkin' Donuts are my two, which is like <laughs> hilarious because it's two ends of the spectrum. There's a Dunkin' Donuts right near me, which um, I will often go to and I want to buy it because I spend so much <laughs> money there. Um, but uh, yeah, Dunkin' Donuts and Cometeer are my two go to's on coffee. And um, and my wife is obsessed with Cometeer. Um, really? Does she have a black too? Yeah, but decaf. Can't do caffeine. Um, I'm a full caffeine. Like I need Me the too. caffeine. And, like and when it. I come to New York, yeah, oh, all my people like red are eyes. here. Yeah. Um, so I hit the ground running. Like I get my coffee and I'm at my desk by about five. And that is like always focused on whatever my like one most important thing is for the day. Mm. And it's two hours uninterrupted, headphones on. I listen to um, brainwave like binaural beats. Have you oh, listened I to that I did that before? when I was in school. Yeah, so I've been doing that and I, I really like noise. it. Yeah, I white used to do white help. noise. I did coffee shop sounds on Spotify for a while, which I really like, like sort of the oh, like, because dr- I like coffee shops for working. Um, I did classical music at one point, but I've been experimenting with this. It's an app called Brainwave Binaural Beats oh, um, wow. that uh, I saw recommended by Huberman. So I tried it. I think it was like $3.99, but it's been great. Yeah. It's like, um, you know, you can put sort of nature sounds to it. And um, that's like really my focus time for the day. And my whole goal with that is if I do no other work the entire rest of the day, the day was a win. Like if I really yeah. am focused during that window. And that's amazing because by 7 a.m. you feel like you won the day. And then Everything is upside. Up, then yeah. And like if nothing else happens during the day, I still feel like it was a win. That's an incredible, incredible feeling I to love start. That. What are your other non-negotiable habits that happen daily? Working out, yeah. do you have any diet, principles? Um, even just like balance, like time with your family, like what are those habits that you do every day? Yeah. So working out, um, and that usually includes, um, either it's, it's sort of an and or of, um, cardio. Like I've been running a lot recently. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and and lifting and then um at least two walks a day like i go for two pretty long walks usually with my son i mean including the running i'm over twenty thousand a day for sure wow um and there are days when i go for a longer run and i'm over thirty thousand. like it's a lot um and i love that like the the walking for me is the time when i think that's like all of my best ideas come to me out on walks and so that's that's a huge huge one for me and then the only other like real two non-negotiables that i would add are like two focused work blocks i have Mm -hmm. that one in the morning and then i have one in the afternoon and then really try to be as present as possible with um, my son and wife in the evenings. How and do you do it? Like, bound, do you have boundaries? Leave with- your phone in yeah. another room is the only way that I've found to do it. If I have my phone anywhere near me, like grayscale or not, around or not, yeah. I will check. Like, I still have this, like, urge to check if something has come in or if I need to respond to something. And so, like, I've tried everything. The only way that i found that works is in another room or, like, in a lockbox. Like some people have, wow. had, have recommended lockboxes. I haven't tried one yet, although I have my eye on one. <laughs> and um, I could see that working too. And what time do you cut that off at? And then uh, it's family. I mean, ideally, my second focus work block ends at 2.30, like 12.30 to 2.30. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort of like, okay, dad mode from that. Like yeah. I go for a walk with my son at 2.30. He takes a nap in that, in that like afternoon nap. Yeah. And from the end of that walk onwards, I'm sort of like turned off from professional things. It doesn't always happen based mm-hmm. on like things that are going on and stuff I need to do. But um, my sort of like non-negotiable is five o'clock. And then do you go to bed at a certain time every day? I go to bed really early. I do a sauna every evening. That's my other one. How I long? Have, I have a sauna on the deck, 20 minutes at like anywhere between 190 and 210. So pretty Amazing. hot. And I bring printed reading in there every night. So you can't bring your phone because it's too yeah. hot in a sauna, that heat. You can take your phone in an infrared one, I think, but not into a um, into a true like stone sauna. And so I, um, I print out whatever I've been really wanting to read and I bring it into the sauna in the evening. And it's like the best wind down activity of just like focus i can read things that i've been wanting to read that like i'm not going to sitting in front of the computer Mm -hmm. um and that has been incredible for me too just like ideating on things i bring in a pen and i'll write you know sketch stuff out etc that's amazing and then what time do you finish sauna go to bed at finish sauna i uh, this is embarrassing i'm normally in bed by like 7 p.m and i fall asleep at like probably 8 15 8 30 and then you're up at 4.30. Yeah. So I, I basically get eight sleeping, hours. That's a flex. Yeah. To me, like when someone says it, I'm like, yeah. that's a flex. I yeah. think that should be everyone's goal. I think it's like, well, at least in my world that I live in, at least I I feel like it's not. It's not, I don't feel any sort of FOMO if I'm like, out. No. <laughs> I just don't want, I'm like, I'm happy I'm not there. I mean, I think I did, I would have when I was a little bit younger. Now I'm just like, like I'm a dad. I'm not like going to parties in New York. I don't know. Like New York's every tough, now though, and then, even with work meetings being so late. But I do dinners at like like tonight. I'm going out for a dinner, and the person was like, "Oh, you want to get dinner on Tuesday?" I was like, "Yeah, that'd be great. I'm in the city. Like, how's five thirty? Yeah. And so I'm doing dinner at five thirty. Are we done my set? Like, I'm going to be asleep by eight thirty tonight after That's a so, dinner in New York. In New York, I feel like it's so hard. Like yeah, dinners it's like a here. Coffee. I have dinners this week, and yeah, literally yeah, my eight. five o'clocks. Today, or a coffee. Yeah, coffee. At a coffee yeah. shop. But then in LA, this is why I like yeah. LA a lot, because yeah. everyone's like five o'clock. People are yeah. down for the 5.30 dinner. Are people there. drinking less in LA? So in LA, if you like drink, it's like not normal. Like oh, people don't really drink. It's very much, especially where I live on the west side, mm. like Venice, Marina area. Mm. 
it's very much like people don't drink. Interesting. It's changed a lot it's, really quickly. Even in New really York, different. like I used to consider New York to be a really big drinking culture, like mm. Manhattan's, Old Fashioned's, Martini's, all that stuff, like the big heavy steak dinners. And now every meeting I go to, I'm taking note of it, of like how many people are saying like, oh, I'm actually not drinking or I've cut back my it's drinking really a nice. lot. And like weekday not drinking, I love because then you're just like, you feel yeah. great the next morning. And I'm still... I'm still teetering. Like, I still love the social connection that comes from, you know, a nice glass of wine with a good friend or mm-hmm. something like that. But um, I've cut back my own drinking probably 95% from where it was. For me, like, even one drink, I, my sleep is just yeah, so affected. Sure. And when I'm here for like a week of the meetings, I don't even care if it's an eight or a I'm like, I can't yeah. drink because I need to be alert the next day and like yeah. my best. But it's nice, like, the fact that people are more so like everyone's investing in their health and yeah, cares yeah, about it great. that like it's not even like a what it's i know like totally normal. and you don't feel weird about it yeah it's great i love that well i could talk to you forever i know we're gonna I have could, to like, do this keep again. going but i know i have to be mindful on time and i want to go into what's next so i know the book is coming for yeah. you how can people stay connected with you what's the best way to support you add value to you <laughs> yeah. like what can they do um well, I'm at Sahil Bloom. I have a weird name, so it's easy. It's, it's at Sahil Bloom on every platform, it's great. basically, it's which great. is great. Easy um, spelling. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I love to hear from people. All my DMs are open on all the platforms, mm-hmm. and I try to get back to people, and I reply to emails that people send me and stuff. So I would. Um, I know. I emailed you when you responded. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we end up having a friendship. Like, it's great. Yeah. That's why. That's literally why I keep all these things open. It's serendipity. You open up your luck surface I love area. That. So um, I would love to hear from people and excited for the next phase. And and uh, and all that comes with it. When is the book launching? How can people stay up? I to need date to finish writing it first. <laughs> um, probably fall of 2024. Okay. Realistically, is when it'll come out. It'll be open for pre-order. You know, probably by spring. But next fall is when it'll actually launch. Well, I can't wait for that. Yeah. Uh, it's been such a pleasure. We'll have everything linked in the show notes below, so everyone can easily click. We'll even have your awesome. email there. Awesome. Um, but thank you again. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for hanging today and listening to this week's podcast with Sahil. You know, there's so much value locked in this episode. Definitely be sure to follow Sahil. I'll have everything linked below in the show notes. I know I'm going to be the first person on that waiting list for the book and just all the other endeavors that he continues to pursue. You guys got value from this week's episode. Copy and paste this link and send it to a friend. Tell them you're thinking about them and send them this podcast. You know, it definitely helps this movement and this community reach more people and also just provides such a good influx of inspiring content to serve you abundantly in your life path. Now, I hope that wherever you're at in your day, it is a beautiful day and I will see you guys in the next one.